The following podcast is a production of Hardly Awesome Studios in association with the network. Find us at BICBP-radio.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Silence Your Phones. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Chavez, joined as always by Sean Fritz. Sean, the COVID struck, dude. Yeah. Um, the COVID struck. It's uh, Commander COVID over there. Damn. I uh, never thought it would happen. Commander COVID, a.k.a. Chris Chavez. Oh. So uh, we were talking just beforehand, and uh, you said that water tastes like water, and it's the worst. Imagine everything else tastes like water, or does it taste or feel like water? So it's really weird too, because I didn't lose sense of taste or smell while I was sick. So I, I was sick, really sick for two straight days, like really sick, high fever, you know, pounding headache, uh, congestion, coughing, sneezing, the whole thing, right? Uh, sinus pressure. By the third day, it was starting to go away. I was probably running around 99 degrees most of the day. Uh, the next day, I was fine. No fever, none of that. But I still, I still, even now, a week later, still have slightly like a little bit of sinus pressure, some congestion, a little bit of coughing. But it was, let's see, I got, I started getting the symptoms on Saturday, Wednesday, when I was making my breakfast. I sat down to eat my sausage, egg, and cheese sandwich. Um, um- and, sausage egg yeah, yeah. And cheese be, be, beyond beyond sausage yeah those are so good by the way they really are dude they are so, so ridiculously good um and i took a bite of my sandwich i was like what the shit is this how come i can't taste it it's fake meat bro i ran oh. to <laughs> i ran to the cupboard and pulled out the peanut butter and i was just like sniffing it i'm like i can't smell peanut butter and i was like let me see if i could taste it i can't taste dude I flipped out. I, it was scary. It's a scary how, feeling. And how mad was your wife? She's like, son of a bitch. We only have one bathroom. She's in like, house. too bad. <laughs> too bad. Uh, yeah, dude, it was not good, man. Um, and yeah, it hasn't come back. Now, I'll tell you what. It's strange because I'll eat and drink things and not taste the thing, right? But like I have these Gatorade uh, pouch things that you mix in your water, right? Mm-hmm. And the orange one, I can taste. It tastes like watered down orange, but it can still mm-hmm. taste the orange flavor. I can taste Gatorade flavoring, but it tastes watered down. Whereas I'm sure it's super strong. You know what I mean? Do you think it's that you can taste it or that you know what it's supposed to taste like? That's what I would think, right? Think that it tastes that way. Like I your would brain think is tricking that. you. I would hope so. Maybe I'll, I'll let my brain trick me, but I would think that, but the other things I drink, it's, it's, it's almost when it's like something that's very strong tasting, I can taste mm-hmm. it barely. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, so, so there's a faint return of some sort of flavor. It's slight. It's getting there. Um, I'm hoping it comes back. How's the texture on uh, for food and things? Is it's it weird? I can food? taste the texture. Like it's all texture, well, could, but it's zero. You feel taste. the texture, but no yeah, taste. Yeah. Yeah. Feel it. 
uh, but no flavor whatsoever. It's just the strangest thing, dude. You know, you're the third person that I know that has contracted COVID. Uh, one person, I, I told you this already, yeah. but I'm going to repeat it because the joke is just that good. Um, uh, two people I work with, one thinks they're invincible. One <laughs> is kind of too aloof to be, to understand what is going on. Yeah. And you're the third. Uh, the first two, they are effectively, they think they're invincible because one yeah. by just no idea and one because he's in sales and so they are no longer invincible they are now they are no longer invincible they are now vincible it's rough man and you were careful like you went to i'm assuming you went to a you went out in public to a place where it was hey show us your your card card mask up still masked up the only time i didn't mask is when i pulled it down when i was having drinks Uh uh-oh and that's all no more liquidation that's all it took man that's all it took it's crazy, dude. It's crazy. And so, um, what what asshole didn't have a uh, a real vaccination? Who knows, right? It's it's uh it's exploded out here by me. Like our area, it has just exploded with numbers. Um, yeah. What I mean, <clears throat> I guess it's gonna come for everyone at some point. Hopefully, dude. I'm hoping you don't ever get it. It's not fun, but thank God I was vaccinated because I wouldn't even imagine what it would be like if I had not been vaccinated, dude. Are you boosted? No, I didn't get boosted. I so should have got boosted. From from what I understand, the new booster has an Omicron thing in it. Like it's been yeah. modified slightly to, you know, for the better of mm. humanity. Uh, I did read somebody, uh, I, I, I didn't read, I heard um, it's this talking head from Stanford. You know, he's in charge of like the, uh, the smart people, the smart people that want to be doctors yeah. at Stanford. Um, and also like research person, he said, at some point, everyone's either going to get it or die from it. And somebody else said they're either going to be vaccinated or be infected. It's crazy, dude. It's crazy. So <laughs> there he goes. That man's dead. What I did see uh, was that if I've been vaccinated, now, if you've been vaccinated and you still had the breakthrough infection, now you're super like I'm a super immunity. Apparently, I'm super immune now. For how uh, long, though? Because I, I heard the original antibodies were supposed to last for like 90 days, like, right? Yeah. Wow. Ooh, super vaccinated, right? That means super. I get to run around through the world for 90 days mask free and not give a shit. Well, until the Optimus Prime variant comes out. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, dude, it happened. It sucked. I was down for the count for a little while, but I'm come I'm on the I'm on the come up. I just need my taste and smell to come back. Uh the uh the one of the people, not the salesperson from work. Um, but the other one who had it didn't get her sense of taste or smell back for like six weeks. Dude, I have a friend who had uh, got coronavirus COVID in August and still cannot smell and, and taste long, long term effects. So I am not a fan of that idea. I'm hoping this comes back sooner rather than later. Yeah, because Beyond Sausage tastes so damn good. Oh my God. I can't like peanut butter out the window. Can't taste it. Even Frank's red hot. Like I love Frank's red hot. I can feel the burn. Like it burns my tongue. However, Mm -hmm. there's no taste to it. It's a, it's a, it's just bizarre. So is this the time that your wife is experimenting with dog shit meals? Like, (laughs) Hey, we're going to have oatmeal on oatmeal sandwiches with mustard. She catches herself. She's always like, Hey, what do you want to do for, you know what? Never mind. You don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Is, Is your wife, is your wife safe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no symptoms she's, she's, at all. I'm I'm gonna ask the next follow up question. There, does that mean that your wife is tested too? Um, no, she didn't get tested. 
see what happens. I told her she should have. She did home she tests. She did the home oh, tests. Okay. She, she bought a couple of them. So she did it once and it came up negative. And then she did it again after that. And it still came up negative. Yeah. This, uh, the, this, the, the missus came back from uh, Chicago this past weekend, uh, weekend, Tuesday, five days ago. And she was with uh, her best friend from when they were five, since they were five and her husband and their four children. Yuck. Well, well, okay. So here's, here's the story. They've been married for 13 years. The set, also they're all seven or under. Okay. They, they were trying to have kids for a long time. Oh, okay. And then all of a sudden they had a breakthrough case. Um, <laughs> and then they had a second one. So they're seven and five. And then two weeks before he was supposed to go get the snip, the old snip, snip snuck one past the goalie. <laughs> and, uh, and the fourth one is a foster. Okay. But the, the youngest and the foster are 15 and 10 months. And so she Yuck. came back and, and sounded a little like this. And oh. I'm like, all right. I was like, um, she called me on at the airport. I'm like, she's like, I'm feeling a little sick. I think the kids breathed on me or, or spit like kids do. I'm like, yeah, I know. I was, I was, I was there at one point, not, not this last go around, but I was there and, uh, also have a kid. So I know how kids talk and, you know, coat you with their, yeah. So I said, uh, do you want me to bring you a test to the airport? She says, yes, please. Luckily it was negative, And I let her take her mask off in the car. <laughs> you are and I'm not kidding to. about that. <laughs> no, I get you, man. I feel bad. Like I kept telling Aaron, I'm like, dude, she, she, uh, a few times comes in for like a hug. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm still sick. She's like, Oh God, that's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. It's such a weird thing, dude. It really is. Well, mine is all about like, I need hugs. I need to know that everything's okay. And I'm like, not while you're sick. <laughs> I was like, uh, can I give you a high five across the room? <laughs> She's like, it's not the same. I'm like, uh, health and one of us has to be healthy. Yeah. Right. It's crazy, dude. It's definitely crazy. Yeah. Well, at least oh. you're healthy and you know, at least you're vaccinated. I'm here. I'm going to push my, my left-wing agenda. At Do least it. You're, Tell everyone. At least you're vaccinated and it minimized the, the symptoms. Albeit yeah. you did get them. You didn't end up in a hospital. Yeah. So either you have super genes uh, with all the nanites that are now in your system yep. or you were vaccinated and science is doing a wonderful thing. Or both. Maybe, maybe I have super genes and I'm vaccinated. Maybe the vaccine, the vaccine is just as guardian magic. And we just don't understand it yet. <laughs> There's nothing to fear here. Because, you know, magic is just science. We don't understand yet, right? Basically, right? Oh, God, dude. Oh, man. So we're back, dude. We're back to talk to talk movies. And uh, this one we're talking about today, I had never seen before. Had you seen it before? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. okay. I had. And, and, and I was, I'm hoping that this one, being a Michael Mann movie, not written by, but produced and directed by, would turn you around a little bit on the uh, from our heat conversation, albeit heat was a good movie. It was quite long. Yes, it was not quite this long. One is, not this, this one is two hours. Short. This one's exact two hours, 120 minutes. Yeah, straight and up. Movie, and and you know, OK, so time out tangent <laughs> movies that are two hours are so passe now, like the, the quote standard movie time is like between 85 and 110 yeah. minutes now. And I'm like, what happened to good movies that were two hours? Yeah. Yeah. Or I mean, movies that were two hours, they don't have to be. I mean, we know that there's a lot of not good movies, but that are two hours. Well, typically, longer. typically, if they're a good movie, it doesn't feel like two hours. Exactly. And 
for me, this one didn't feel like two hours, but I wouldn't go so far as to say it was good. Well, that, that's for the hot take. The- hot take. Let's get into hot. it. We're talking Tom Cruise, Jamie Foxx. We're talking collateral. You know, if you just listened to me, we'd be all bogged down in traffic right now, and you would have made yourself an extra five bucks. Yeah, well, you keep that five bucks, buy you something special. five stops to make what's your name max max i'm vincent i'll meet you in the alley behind the building oh no what the hell you killed red light max hold on hold on man you were gonna drive me around tonight and never be the wiser but we're in plan b now we got to make the best of it improvise adapt to the environment whatever man we got to roll with it you just met him once and you kill him like that? But I should only kill people after I get to know them? I'm not up for this. <laughs> what are you gonna do about it? There's a man named Vincent. I got another deal, Wade. He's already killed witnesses. He's coming to kill you. What's my work? Gotta roll with it. Adapt. Get your hands in the air! That's fun coming from you. Slow down! Shoot me! So like I said, I had not seen this movie before. Um I'm not going to say it wasn't good. It was, it was definitely. Well, I don't, I think you're breaking format, aren't you? Yeah, we we're, we're breaking. I'm just thinking to myself, like, is this the backward show where we do everything in reverse? There's something about this movie. I don't know what I want to say about it. So we're going to, yeah, we'll get into it because there's, there's some things I want to unpack here and then maybe I'll feel differently by the end of this. You know how we do that. We'll talk about the movie and you already go in thinking a certain way by the time we're done talking. You're like, you know what? I actually like that. Or eh, I didn't like it as much as I thought. No, this is my first time here, so I, I, I'm not familiar with, with the concept. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into the plot, dude. It's very simple. It's legit a simple plot. There's Jamie Foxx, a cab driver in L.A., mm-hmm. who ends up picking up a fare, uh, being Tom Cruise, and Tom Cruise is a hitman, and mm-hmm. Jamie Foxx unknowingly takes him to a hit finds out it's a hit and now it's, he's against his will he's being taken against his mm-hmm. will to drive him to the other he has, he's got to hit five people in one night or six people in one night uh five right six six yeah. uh so now he's got five more jamie fox has got to come along during this time we start to realize that these people are all connected in some way um there's there's a lot more going on there's this kind of there's this guy that's being investigated he's kind of a a, a top tier criminal the FBI are on him. The LAPD's on him. And, uh, you know, he he basically hired a hitman to go out and take out all these people that are going to testify against him. Mm-hmm. That's our movie. 
there's not much to it. So, well, there is the beginning too, where, where Jamie Foxx comes in contact with Jada Pinkett Smith, um, you know, and then we find out later in the film that uh, he's got to try to save her as well. She's, she's unfortunately on this list, but yeah, that's the it's plot. A, it's a very interesting, you know, uh, it's almost like uh, it's in order, but it's like Pulp Fiction, how everybody is just kind of in this very contained story. Mm-hmm. There are people that come and go, but there's not a whole lot of people that are central to this story. There's there's supporting characters like the the, the character named Paco, you know, yeah. um, you know, Rafe, you know, character named Ray Fanning, um, you know, they're all secondary characters that support the plot, but they're not this centralized story of these six people, Tom Cruise, Jamie Foxx, and Jada Pinkett Smith being one of the six. So it's really yeah. about eight people and, you know, everybody else around them. I'll tell you, man, this, so watching a film where the idea is, is you've got to follow, you know, the, the cab driver through LA as he takes him to these places. You also start, what also happens here is, they develop some sort of relationship, right? Like Tom Cruise and, and Jamie Foxx's character, not like they're friends or anything, but they start, they, they talk, they get interact with each other. There's a part in this movie where uh, Jamie Foxx is supposed to go visit his mom in the hospital and he doesn't. So Tom Cruise is like, let's go visit your mom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this, this hitman's like, let's go visit your mom in the hospital. And then he's all like sweet talking to her all nice to her and shit. Um, he's being charming. He's being you know, the yin to it's, it's really, those two are, are, it's a very symbiotic relationship. They're again to each other's yang, you know, one's very aggressive. One's very passive. One's very, um, I mean, well, there's a whole bunch of things there, but you know, he's charming and Jamie Foxx is a little, not so much to his mother, um, you know, and then vice versa. And then that swaps with, um, Jada Pinkett Smith's character. And, you know, there's, there's just a whole lot one's driven one's, you know, resting on his laurels, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and that's so kind of a thing. That's part of a, a, an underlying storyline here is that Jamie Foxx is this guy who continues to say that his cab job is kind of a side thing, but he's been doing it for 12 years because he wants mm-hmm. to save up money to have his own limo service. Right. And he's telling Pete, like he tells Jada's character that, and he tells, he's even tells the Tom Cruise character, well, Tom Cruise's character kind of pulls it from him, Vincent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we see that that's here, but we also see, Tom Cruise kind of like showing him like you got to stand up for yourself at times because there's a part mm-hmm. where his boss calls in and is like ragging him on on the line and Tom Cruise just grabs that shit. He's like, who the fuck do you think you are talking mm-hmm. to him like this? You know what I mean? And he's telling him what to say. Um, but in terms of like the so that's our that's our story here is that we have this guy who is a killer, but there's a little part that you kind of like about him. Mm-hmm. And there's this guy who's the cab driver and you're supposed to like really feel good, bad for him and hope that he makes it out. But there's times where you're just like, at least for me, I was watching it and I'm like so many times he could have just really just gotten away. It just, it does. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not like, but there's a reason he's staying. There's something that's happening. What, that, is it that he's attracted to somebody that's helping him stand up for himself? Is it uh, I'm, my, my thought on that is he, he is, he is perfectly fine with maintaining the status quo. Yeah. Status quo is him being in a cab, driving a cab. He talks a big game, but does he ever follow through with it? Yeah. He keeps talking about how he's going to bail and he tries to, you know, he, he tries to get notice so that, you know, he can get away. And it, two or three times it starts to happen. But there's Tom Cruise doing what Tom Cruise does in this yeah. movie with a gun. Yeah. And then there's cops. We have LAPD involved. We have Mark Ruffalo, 
as an undercover cop <laughs> looking at first. I, I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's Mark Ruffalo. It didn't look like him at first. Mm-hmm. He totally yeah, looked green. like a, a, a Mexican gangbanger at first. Speaking Spanish and everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there he's involved because one of his informants is the first person that Tom Cruise kills, kills him off. And so now he's involved. He's like, this guy didn't gone. kill him. Vincent didn't kill him. The, <laughs> the fall, bullets in the fall. Out, he fell out of the back window. He's like, I shot him. The bullets in the fall killed him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah. You, you know, that's the thing about this movie is there's nothing. It's not convoluted. It's not it's not too intricate. It's a straightforward storyline. Like from we're starting here. That's the end. We're going straight. There's nowhere mm-hmm. to go. There's no side roads to go off of in here. Aside from maybe you know this this kind of as it like you said pulp fiction style it plays itself out throughout the movie you start realizing pieces are falling into place that there's this big thing happening and mm-hmm. this is why he's a part of it um and there's i mean there's there's very subtle drops of certain things like vincent says he was um in la before because he says every time he gets there he doesn't like yeah he's uh, ready to there's leave. a cop yeah there's um they think that um max jamie fox uh, that he is a cabbie gone crazy. And yeah. this happened one other time in LA and they find him riding the subway for, or, or when he's dead, they find him, they, he finds, they find him dead riding the subway. And Vincent says at one point, um, you know, that there's a guy that LA is such a spread out place that nobody uh, knows anybody. There could be a dead guy on a subway and people mm-hmm. ride around for six hours sitting beside him before they realize he's dead. Yeah. And it's like, it never confirms, but you think, hmm, is this Vincent's previous work? It's crazy because it really made it feel that way, right? Like, so this is LA. LA is supposed to be like one of the busier cities in our country, like packed people. The number two everywhere. market in the world, if I'm right. not mistaken. People say country, you, don't, at least. you don't ever want to drive through LA. LA traffic's the worst. But this uh-huh. movie did a very good job of making you feel alone in that character. Like he's alone yeah. with with a killer. And no matter what, no matter how many people are around, he's alone. He can't can't break from that. Um, there was just some things throughout this movie that I just kept going. Come on, really? Like, but I hear that's the thing I had to keep telling. I also had to keep telling myself, like, just let it go. It's a movie. Obviously, it's a, you have to have this or else there's no story because I'm like, mm-hmm is he really getting that involved with, with Jada's character, a, a cabbie, right? A cab driver. You have to, I guess. Right. Um, well, things, people meet at the weirdest places, things like going to the hospital to see the mom and buying her the flowers and all that stuff. I just feel like if he was a, it was a killer, it'd just be like, all right, we have to go here. So it doesn't raise alarms. He's not going to mm-hmm. stop and get flowers. It was, I don't know. There was something weird about Vincent's character that made me just keep going. What? what it's hard to it's hard to buy the cold calculated zen character that he portrayed with this like we're just a a speck flying through space type of a thing Mm -hmm. with this other side that was just like what like this guy like he literally threw okay we have vincent or yeah a max tied to the to 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 his his uh cab right he can't get out zip tied to the steering wheel Mm-hmm. And he catches people's attention to come help him. And instead, these guys take the, the, the briefcase, right? Mm-hmm. Vincent has no problem plugging both guys. Give me back my briefcase. But when Max throws that shit off of the thing, he's just like, hmm, I'm going to keep you around. Let's keep going. What? Well, part of it, uh, my thought on that was 
He needs someone who knows Los Angeles, who knows how uh, to get to okay. and from. True. Uh, he's got time investment with this guy. If he gets caught driving a cab, he'll probably get arrested for just suspicion of grand theft and he can't fulfill his contract. Um, whereas if someone whose face is on the, the cab medallion is driving it, then there's less questions to be asked. So he needs okay. him for that reason. But what? So let me ask you this. There's the, so he does that. He needs to get the information again because it's been destroyed now, right? So he's got to go mm-hmm. back to the guy who, who's who's hired him, basically. Mm-hmm. Why didn't he? Why was it that he didn't go in and get it himself? Because they don't see his face. They don't know who. So if if Max gets killed after the job is done, then who cares? But if Vincent, because then Vincent still has um, uh, he has uh, dirt on this on this person. So that he could, if he wanted to testify that, hey, yeah, he paid me to do this. Here's the bank stubs. Here's this and that. Whereas Max is just a loose thread that will, in theory, die at the end of the movie anyway by Vincent's hand. So Vincent was afraid to go see the guy that hired him. Uh, He wasn't afraid to see him, but he wanted to protect his anonymity because then he still has, you know, how how did he get the info in the first place? Do we know? I guess we were told it, it was digitally provided to him. Ah, be it email or encryption server or FTP or something. Okay. Yeah. This is what, what year did this come out? Cause some of that technology was pretty old, huh? 2004. 2004. Wow. It was old, but it was new for the time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, which means that he's, I mean, he's got a very nice suit. He's very distinguished in the way he looks and the way he presents himself and carries himself. It's very proper aside from shooting people. <laughs> uh, and you know, he, he's very learned. He's very cultured and very educated and very, you know, he's got manners, hence the flowers. We're going to see your mother. We don't want to break, you know, very psychologically sound in that these are the things we, I have to do, or I have to make happen so that there are no eyebrows raised for anything. He doesn't want to be on a radar. If Max's mom keeps calling the station, then the boss is, makes a note of it. It's on file somewhere that his mom keeps calling. He's got to write him up or something. And then he gets a hold of Max and then Max, whoever's in the cab with Max, hears it. And then they're yep. a witness uh, or, or, you know, a, a supporting gotcha. witness in some capacity. It was interesting, man. It really was interesting. Um, and I liked how Jada came into it again at the end. Like I've liked mm-hmm. how that fell into place. That was really cool. But again, in terms of a plot, it's straightforward. It was straightforward. It was clear. And I Very thought, linear. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was intense too. It's one of these mm-hmm. movies that you're just like, oh shit. Can you imagine if that really happened? Mm-hmm. No. And keep in mind, we don't live in this world, Chris. I don't know if you knew that or not, <laughs> but my line of work is not this. No, no, no. So it's, some of it is a little foreign to us, um, but it's, you know, it, it's yes, maybe one or two things are a little outside the realm of, does that really make sense? Yeah. But they're all believable. Oh yeah. It's not like he's, it's not like he's pulling out you know, M16s and then walking through the front lobby of a high rise <laughs> building, you know, guns up, guns in the air, just walking past the doorman. I'll tell you, that was one of the things I did like was that we didn't have like heat style tactical weaponry out in in the, uh, you know, in, in civilian uh, in civilized situations. The uh, but one on one, it's not we're going to go rob a bank and we need the heavy firepower, it, yeah. you know, and deal with whoever else shows up. It's I'm going to take out these people that are potentially going to try to put my employer away. Yeah. Uh, I did think it was funny, though, that he used a silencer in one situation, but not throughout the whole movie, right? Like he was just I, popping away with no problems. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess 
if you're outside i mean if you're in a building yeah you don't want the neighbors to hear but if True. you're outside then it's noisy in, well in some cases um what so there's one more thing at the end you're to so we have this guy who's a cold-blooded killer he's good at what he does right and not not one bullet touched Jamie Foxx whatsoever. That that part I suspended disbelief, but <laughs> so if I could explain that away, um, the let's put it in quotes logic there yeah. would most likely be that maybe Jamie Foxx was standing a little askew of the center of the door. Okay. And he was holding maybe he wasn't holding his gun straight on, but at an angle. And that's how it clip tom cruise but not jamie but jamie fox didn't get got the one thing that i thought maybe was because uh right before they get to the subway when they're in the building and he's trying to save jada he pops him man he hits tom cruise and the bullet grazes the side of his head mm-hmm. so maybe that was something you know maybe it threw off his aim maybe he's kind of like he's losing blood already so he's not as sharp as he should be his equilibrium could be off but yeah. that's a good point um also and it's a moving the, train yeah and, and the iron sights or the crosshairs, maybe they're not, you know, they're attuned for Vincent, not for Jamie Foxx. There you go. So there's that possibility as well. Um, not that you can use crosshairs in the dark. <laughs> let's get it. Let's go into the characters, dude. Let's talk about the actors and the acting. So we have Tom Cruise as Vincent, this cold-blooded killer, uh, the best of the best in the way he he kind of does this thing in and out you know very professional did they have like it was it was a weird choice to do the gray hair thing for me well because it looked it looked weird on him it didn't look it didn't look natural so this was the first i I remember when this came out this was right after the last samurai so he had that beard you know long stringy beard okay um long hair probably a wig but knowing him probably not um, and he had done, you know, Minority Report the year before, a couple other movies, and Vanilla Sky, uh, Mission Impossible Two, you know, just uh, some highlights right before this. All of those movies, natural, his his standard hair color. Yeah, this was the first movie that I remember ever having seen Tom Cruise without his Tom Cruise hair. It was definitely so, different. So it was it was a very unique look, a very different look inside to tom cruise um you know normally he was like the good guy or you know um the love interest or the main i mean he was the main event in this movie too but he just had a completely different like aura about him in this movie still very charismatic but Mm -hmm. yeah very different uh from from his probably within the last 10 years at the very least you know he did jerry Maguire five years before uh eight years before this and a few good men before that. So that in that movie, he was still stern, but he was very young. This one, he was portrayed as old, older, yeah, older, gray haired, distinguished, I guess you could say. And, and he plays this character very matter of fact, very like, like he doesn't, he doesn't pretend to not be what he is. You know, he knows he's a killer. Mm -hmm. He's very efficient kind of guy, but he has these moments like, Maybe for him, he thought it was funny, but he's he jokes too. Like he was telling the thing about his dad, how he killed his dad. Mm-hmm. And, and Jamie Foxx was just like, what the fuck? And he starts laughing. He's like, I'm just kidding. I was like, what? but but was he though? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, man. Um, 
but yeah, I, I did like how he played this character, this very kind of cold calculating. And, and I think it showed th- that part of him really shown when they went to the jazz club, mm-hmm. when they were sitting there and he's talking to the guy about Miles Davis and he's just whatever. He's like having a good time. And then all of a sudden, boom, he names the guy and he just goes cold. Like mm-hmm. now he's like, now you know who I am. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, God damn, this is fucked up. Mm-hmm. He um, sucked him in. He made him tell that story. You know, he got his mind thinking of other things. And then he said one thing and he's just a, what? Yeah, exactly. And uh, it was good, dude. I thought I thought Tom Cruise did a great job in this film as this mm-hmm. character. Oh, Easily. absolutely. Uh, Jamie Foxx. Now, what had he done uh, before this? Was he already on his on the rise? Oh, he was like, we I already mean, knew living color and all that other stuff. But his movies, mm-hmm. was he was it already up there by now by collateral? Uh, uh, I think he did Ray not long after this. Ah, that's oh. where he exploded was with Ray. Yeah, he did Ali with well, he was in Ali with um, Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, Any given Sunday. I remember that. But again, he was playing like these side characters, right? Yeah, uh, he did play himself in Elmo's Christmas Countdown in 2007. <laughs> But dude, yeah, it's after this. He hits Ray and that's when he explodes. He plays Ray Charles and then he goes into Dream Girls. That was a big one at the time. Uh, Ray was actually right after this. Yeah. And yeah, Miami Vice, who can forget that one? I mean, he does very unique movies. Like, I mean, he's a great. I mean, Django was 2012. Yeah. Um, so eight I mean, years but, later. But, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he does like very unique uh, movies. I mean, he, he, he started out on TV and there wasn't a whole lot of crossover. And it was comedy. It was sketch comedy when he started on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, and then he had his own sitcom for a while. Mm-hmm. But uh, but to go into this role where he plays, again, this guy who, you know, like you said, kind of not as motivated, but he does have dreams. Let's not say he doesn't. He's got dreams and he's got something he would like to do. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's one of these things that, you know, he's kind of he eats his lunch in his car and looks at these these catalogs of the vehicles he wants to get at some point in his life. But that's about it. And then he's put in a situation where now it's like he doesn't even know if he's going to survive the rest of the night. And at one point, he's in a room full of gangs, gangsters like these these really, really bad people. And he's talking shit to them. He's got zero guns and he's talking shit to them. Well, so he, that comes point, from somewhere. Well, what has he got to lose at this point? Yeah. And I thought he did great. I thought, again, you know, uh, there's moments where he's complete fear, like the shock of watching uh, Vincent just shoot someone right in front of him at the table, you know, the, the mm-hmm. jazz guy. And he felt bad too, because he was like, they were liking him. They were all talking, having a good time. Boom. Mm-hmm. Takes him out. Um, so he does a great job in doing that. You know, did the fear in his face, those, those moments until he decides, you know, now I am going to stand up for myself. He almost kills himself, but he does, right. He, he flips the car and, and decides to stand up for himself. And it was going to be all good until he realized, oh, shit, he's going after Jada. Well, and and keep in mind, too, like all of his tics, like adjusting his glasses and like wiping yeah. his face and looking in the mirror uh, in the rear view. And, and the camera is pretty much right. It's blocked perfectly. The camera is right on him. And, you know, and he's it, it's just very well done with. I mean, that's a whole separate segment, but just with the way that he portrays this very passive um very very um i hate to use the word beta but like he's not uh, he, he's more of a passive person yeah than, than yeah. anything else and, and once he's pushed enough 
we see what happens. But up until then, he's just very much, you know, very nebbish, I guess is a, a word to use. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Then we got Jada Pinkett Smith. Um, she's not in it much. She's at the beginning and she's at the end, but mm-hmm. she's Jada, right? She, I mean, I think every time I've ever seen her, she's a, she's a great actress. I think she's awesome. Mm-hmm. And th- she just plays it. There's not too much happening until the end where, you know, she's got to show a lot of fear. Uh, but other than that, you know, she's in it for a bit. Like everybody else is in this for a little bit. It's not like they're in it for the whole movie. Ruffalo, mm-hmm. I think, had the most uh, on screen time aside from our two main actors. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, he kept coming and going, which uh, was surprising to me. I thought he was going to be a little bit more of a, a main character. I thought he's going to have a little bit more in this film. And then when they, he gets popped, I was like, whoa, OK, bye, Hulk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he got got at some point. He was good for the story progression. Yeah, we needed to know the, that there was something going on, that it, it was a part of this whole criminal thing and the, the case against the, you know, and he had the, uh, the informant, like we, we had to have him tied into it. Um, Javier Bardem. I did not realize that was him until 10 minutes ago. Do you know, I reckon like I was looking at him and I couldn't tell it was, I, I was like, I know this guy. Why do I know this guy? So when I see the cast, I was like, ah, oh, that's why I know him again. Mm-hmm. He's in it very small amount of time. He plays the, the, the big kingpin who, who hired uh, Tom Cruise to kill all these people who were going to testify against him. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter Berg plays one of the cops, plays Ruffalo's partner, mm-hmm. uh, who doesn't believe that there's something else going on here. He thinks it's a simple case of a, a taxi cab driver who's gone crazy and is going around killing people. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just the he was just the veteran cop. Bruce McGill who plays on his neck. Um, that's an Animal House reference. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know a whole host of other movies. Uh, he was the FBI guy. Uh, Jason Statham. Yep, I saw that cameo at the very. Uh, was that a cameo or was that just a very bit role? Because he's the guy who he's... drops off the the briefcase, right? Like mm-hmm. he gives him the briefcase. Yep. Uh, but Jason Statham, dude, when I saw him again, I thought we were going to see him throughout the movie, and <laughs> it was like, oh, okay, guess not. Well, and and he had done, looking here, um, transporter in 02 and an Italian job in 03. So he's just off of those two. Um, I would, have, I would have thought, though, he would have had something more because before that he did Lock, Stock and Snatch. Both of those both of those movies were back to back bangers. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it, it made both his Guy name. Mill. Yeah. Uh, and then we just see him at the beginning. It's almost like the he's like uh, Drew Barrymore in Scream, dude. <laughs> or Jada Pinkett in Scream. <laughs> two. Exactly. Scream too. Um, but yeah, so he was in it. Um, amazing performance, I must say. He dropped mm-hmm. that. He dropped that package like a pro. He plays. He was basically playing Jason Statham. <laughs> That's it. He just walked by and dropped his briefcase. Yeah, but it was just it was an obvious switch for the two of them to switch briefcases. Yeah, everybody. I'm Barry. I think Barry Henley, Barry Shabaka mm-hmm. Henley played the the jazz guy. So he was, yep. uh, you know, another one of the players and he was pretty good, too. Um, it was cool when he was telling the story about Miles Davis, that kind of thing. You, I was like, you're getting into it. it draws and you like, in. Oh, shit. You're fucked. Yeah, it draws you in. Uh, Emilio Rivera. You see him in every movie yeah. that involves a Mexican a Hispan- gang, a Hispanic gang gangster. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, and Sons of Anarchy. But yeah, everybody else in this movie is very, very bit parts. Our main cast is it's really the movie is carried completely by Cruz and Fox, uh, almost completely mm-hmm. with Ruffalo, you know, tagging around trying to trying to catch them at some point. Uh, anything else you want to say on the acting? I just think it was really well done, you know, the, the acting and it was, you know, to the point I made about Jamie Foxx, 
you know, he was very well with all of it. Very, he did very well with all of his mannerisms, made it very believable. Tom Cruise being in the back seat and just, you know, doing his work, but also carrying on a, a, a semi-focused conversation, you know, really showed where his priorities were as well. Um, beyond that, I think everyone else was at least serviceable, serviceable. or better. Yeah, yeah, easily. All right, let's move on to the sound, the soundtrack. This had a score and it was it was a decent score. It fit what this kind of movie is. A thriller, you know, high action, a lot of tense moments. So the score was very it you know, we had that. We had moments of intense, you know, intensity. We had moments of respite when it's kind of nicer and you're getting these overhead shots of LA and you could see mm-hmm. the, the streets and the cars. So that was nice. I was it, thrown they off. They had a good calming effect when they did stuff like that. Yeah, I was thrown off though when we got uh Chris Cornell singing in the middle of the movie out of nowhere. Like there's this scene where they're in the cab and they're driving, and all of a sudden music starts mm-hmm. like it's a music video. I was like, what? I was wondering what was going on with that. Like <laughs> How does this song weird placement? Yeah, the song didn't really have any. Uh, it didn't really have a whole lot of, you know, parallel thinking with the scene. No, nah. um, I don't know if it was. I mean, it's an audio slave song. Yeah, but like, I mean, the movie has a lot of, you know, uh, it has audio slave. It has some Paul Oakenfold, which, by the way, no words typically in those. Right, right. Unless it's a remix, um, which, by the way, I really do like Paul Oakenfold um and his music and that i think would have been a better interlude moment than anything else unless the song has relevance uh in 2004 that i'm not aware of oh um we did have a little bit of the roots also at the beginning of the film uh that mm. was playing I, I i actually like that song the c 2.0 so when i heard that I, I i caught it but like you said other than that we're seeing a lot of of um instrumental work throughout this film aside from audio slave and and the roots and and, you know it worked it worked for me i thought it was good soundtrack a good score it like i said it helped pace the movie except for that weird thing in the middle all of a sudden it just threw me off all of a sudden it's like he's singing and it was it was up in front right like the music was right here in your ear it wasn't background Mm -hmm. it wasn't coming over the radio or anything oh unless it was meant to be like the radio playing but yeah you know make that no the radio wasn't on most of the time anyway so yeah you're right it, it would have made sense if if there was a better that really did stand out you're, you're absolutely right but a lot of the other instrumentals transitions and you know that that uh what, what do i always say the invoking of emotion is yeah for the most part was there but it did take me out when audio slaves started playing <laughs> it's like what's happening here music mm-hmm. video in the middle of the movie Uh, There you go. There's our music sound. Let's move on to special effects. A lot of blood, a lot of shooting, blood blood packets. But but they weren't CG. They were just practical. Yeah, Yeah, everything was practical. I didn't think there was any any CG much in this. Um, Stunt stunt work, you know, with flipping cars. Yeah, explosions. Um, Yeah, other than that, looked good. How many more explosions do you think there'd be if this was a Michael Bay film? Oh, instead God. Of a Michael Mann <laughs> it would have just film? been nonstop explosions. Yeah. There'd been explosions like, that didn't need to have explosions. Like every time he shot his gun, it would be slow mo. Did, yeah. did like a, a, the, the 180, not the three, full 360, but like, yeah, follow, you know, 
side shot, pan over 90 degrees, use the yep. matrix effect. <laughs> yep. And then uh, watch that bullet at slow motion. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, most of it, you know, we have a lot of blood packs and a lot of like the, the spitfire from the guns is happening. Um, and then, the, you know, the, the actual when they had to make him look like he was cut up from the, the accident, you know, Tom Cruise looked Prosthetic. pretty, pretty beat up. And, and when he got that uh, shot to the head and you know blood, who did a lot of the practical, the makeup, who's that? Frank Darabon was on this movie. Really? Yeah. Nice. So, you know, they had, uh, you know, a, a good pedigree with that, too. Yeah, I mean, it looked good. It really did, especially but, that uh, that ear. Yeah, but this movie, you know, it's not an over the top movie for special effects. This was this was a very kind of visceral movie, straightforward. Like I said, everything about it, the, even when it comes to the effects, you're you're getting you're getting you know people getting shot. So we, we got to have blood. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I thought it looked good. Was that a real? Was that a legit person? That was that a stunt guy that fell on the car at the beginning, or was that a dummy? I had to be a dummy because you drop some, you drop a stunt person onto a car, especially one with like a protrusion, like the taxi cab had. Oh yeah. With, with yeah. the Bacardi, what was it? Bacardi, um, Bacardi silver. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're, you know, that, uh, th- that's going to break your back. Yeah. Falling on a cab, much less falling on one with a tri tri-sided sign. There you go. Um, anything else on the special effects? Nah. No, I, I don't think so. Uh, except, well, the biggest effect was making all the tra- traffic disappear. Seriously, L.A., emptiest streets I've ever seen in my life, ever, ever. Like mm. every street he drove on was empty, even when she's she's driving. Right. And he's he's taking uh, when he's got Jada and she's like, take this to this to this because traffic's crazy. It's like every mm-hmm. shot was clear streets. Mm-hmm. I L.A. Mean, at night, they must have filmed it on like Christmas night or something. Christmas they had morning. To, they had to close down a lot of streets, I'm sure, to get that quietness. Uh, dude, I mean, overall, you know, not bad, not bad. Let's get into our rating. Let's do it. Uh, I'll go first. I never saw it. So I like watching movies that I never see before because I like getting into it and seeing what I'm going to get. And this one, like I said, from the beginning, there's nothing that's fluff about this movie. You're just going to get a straightforward movie. It's going to be a thrill ride and it's intense at times. Um, and you would think that there was the moment there should be moments that would kind of like ease that. Right. And there are, but it's not what you think those moments where you're supposed to ease is still tense because you, this guy's driving around a killer in his car and they're having conversation. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but overall, dude, you know, it's almost like a let me up moment type thing. Cause otherwise it's just nonstop adrenaline and you'll just have a dump. And at that point, like you uncut know, gems, uh, that movie just doesn't stop but this one was like i said there was nothing much happening in terms of you know storyline that'll convolute this this is a straightforward story you know this this killer hires a cabbie to take him around for the night and the cabbie's like ah shit what i get myself into kind of thing um i think i thought the acting was great you know you got two of our two powerhouse actors honestly and jamie Mm -hmm. fox hadn't even come into his own yet as in terms of powerhouse acting but you could see those hints in just the 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 small things he was doing with this film um it looks nice dude the film absolutely gorgeous who you know the cinematographer in this film was on point because the shots were nice you know the coloring was nice um like you said a lot of the blocking was done really well you know it's just it looked great it was a really 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 good film mm-hmm. so we're doing this out of five empty la streets i'm going to give this a solid four a four 
empty LA streets uh, for me because it was a really good film. And I, if it went fast too for two hours, when it was done, I was like, holy crap, it's already finished. Like, how is that even possible? It was that like, it's that kind of good movie. It engrosses you, brings you along for the ride. And there's these moments where you just keep going, Oh, finally, he's going to get out of this. Oh, nope. He's not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're still in the ride. Uh, and it's good. It's perfectly paced as well. So I'm down, man. Even even with the audio slave music video in the middle of it, <laughs> uh, I enjoyed it. It was a four for me. Yeah, I I, I can't disagree with anything you said, uh, except I have to give this four point two five. You know, the audio was great. Like mine is the audio slave, as you said. <laughs> um, I mean, if it was over the credits, great. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what was. Um, did you catch the post credit scene? No. Was there a post credit scene? No. Oh, no, shit. Wasn't. I was going to say what? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I have started checking now since uh, ever since we watched um, Idiocracy. Oh, yeah. You have to now, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the 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 characters, some of the characters are a little rela- are, are very relatable. Uh, you know, Max being very relatable, someone who has a dream and a vision of something they want to do, but they can't quite get there or they can't quite master what it is that they want it to be. So they continue to do what they have to do to that. They think they have to do to get to where they need, think they need to be. Um, you know, it's that whole, if you have something that you want to do, do it. You're going to fall flat on your face the first time, most likely, but you learn better than over planning. You know, you look up and then all of a sudden it's 12 years later and you're still driving a cab. Yeah. Um, you know, he, uh, he did give away his Zen moment of, or his Zen space of his postcard. Um, and that kind of, I think that got him more riled up with Vincent because he didn't have that peaceful place. Um, and, you know, he wasn't sure that he would call Jada. Um, that's a weird sentence, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the characters are very relatable for the most part. Uh, I don't live the gang life, but I'm sure if oh, I did, gosh. yeah, I'm sure if I did, I could, uh, I could, I could relate, but I can't. <laughs> Uh, I sit behind a desk and type all day. So in effect, maybe I was the guy that was preparing that dossier and I can relate to my work being lost or just thrown away. That'd make me mad. I'd be, I'd be hurt. Um, But you know, as far as everything in this movie goes, I I really enjoyed it because it was a stark contrast of a lot of things, a lot of um, traditional actor uh, visages like Tom Cruise with, gray hair and yeah. being a, an older man because in Hollywood, you don't want to be old yeah. even in 2004 uh, and the I bad mean, Jamie guy. Fox. Exactly. I mean, Jamie Foxx being timeless and being just so talented. It's unfair, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, just even, even though he's, you know, and, and, and having a mom that thinks that everybody else, but you is, is uh, not that my mother is this way, but having a friend, a parent, a relative, or even a, a boss or coworker who what you do is just not good enough. But when someone else does the same thing, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the characters are very relatable. The action is very well done. Um, like we mentioned, the, the, the acting, the characters, uh, the soundtrack and the score specifically. Um, so, I mean, I like, I really like this movie, but as I said, you know, 4.25 out of five for me. Yeah, I do like there was times of the where it was very realistic, too, because like so you've got Tom Cruise going through this this club taking out like guards. Right. Mm-hmm. 
but he, he doesn't just do it without being seen and then gets the kill off like he starts to do it then they notice and then it just kind of all falls apart like oh shit you know what i mean and so it wasn't it wasn't too perfect either so yeah dude it was a good one not bad enjoyed mm-hmm. it good i'm glad to hear so what are we doing next what's the next one we got on the ch- on the ship here another jamie fox vehicle another tom no. cruise uh the jackie chan 2017 vehicle uh the foreigner you killed my dog dogs are fine just slipping Sit. I will ring a bomb. Anyone comes in, I touch it button, and we die. Now, give me the name. I they claim to be UDI, but I don't know who they really are. I'm doing everything I can to find out who's responsible. You are lying! Who killed my daughter? I'm sorry. I truly don't know yet. Yeah. And and here's the thing. I've never seen this movie, but I have heard that it is like Jackie Chan's best movie. Oh, really? Okay. I don't know what it's about. I just know that it's got Jackie Chan and awesome. It should be good. I'm down, dude. I'm down to do it. All right, guys, listen, thanks so much for listening to another episode of silencer phones. We appreciate it. Make sure to hit, uh, hit all the subscribe things, go find us, rate us, do all that fun stuff. Uh, and mask up, dude mask Mm -hmm. up don't be a dick don't get people sick yeah don't get yourself sick (laughs) don't be a chris don't be a chris we'll see you guys next week it is now time to unsilence your phones